today we have an amazing guest and I'm afraid to say it's Damien from Reverie. He is a co-founder of Reverie Queer TV. If you have not found this channel, you absolutely have to because they have an amazing slate of movies and series to watch to while your way is away, days away while you're sitting in quarantine. So we also have Jordan Aquino here, my co-host. She is going to be joining us to um, talk to Damien about everything from how he started and got inspired as an actor to now being uh, the head of his network. So thank you for joining us today, Damien. We appreciate it. Me, Stephanie. Yeah, it's uh, um, been uh, a long time, but I'm so excited to see you guys are doing so well. Thanks. Thanks. We appreciate it. So let's start with one simple question. How have you been surviving during quarantine? <laughs> um, lots of cannabis. That's what I, that's how I, <laughs> that's how I answer that, uh, that question anytime I'm asked. Um, no, I mean, outside of that, I'm, I'm a very big proprietor of, of cannabis and obviously I've seen the amazing effects that's had um, on so many people in so many different ways. But no, but I think the biggest thing through quarantine that, you know, how we've been surviving is, um, you know, outside of taking our dogs for a walk and trying to do some kind of physical activity is uh, we've been going, myself and my partner in the business and in life, Christopher Rodriguez, we actually use our office when no one else does. Um, so we're still going to our physical office space and it's been oh, great okay. because we've got our like little 1200 square feet home. And then we get to come to this 3,500 square feet office where there's no one here, but our, me, our, us and our dogs. Uh -huh. So we, get, we just like run around the office all day long and like throw like, I've got bones and balls <laughs> to the dogs. Um, so it's been really, it's been really fun to have an empty office to work from for almost a year now, which is wow. crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. where's your office um, located? What part of town? So we're in Glendale, oh, okay. uh, right in the Valley here in Los Angeles. I'm literally county corner to the Superior Court, City Hall, and then across the street is the um, police the police station. So we got really lucky, and we have an amazing landlord who gave us rent relief for uh, majority of the time that COVID's been going on. Oh wow! Um, and we have uh, um, kind of an entire little floor of a small building, a really small building here on the corner. And our neighbors, uh, bless their heart, they're a um, they uh, uh, are a DUI class, so they only operate <laughs> night. But it's okay. the best relationship because it's only a two-story building. So it's uh -huh. like here during the day, they're here at night. We never step on each other's toes. And right. they're wonderful neighbors and really great folks to uh, um, to be, uh, you know, partnered with. Awesome. I remember us doing live stream, what, 12 years ago or something oh, from God. your other office on <laughs> what, Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> yeah, on Sunset when Dion and I had that. Oh, right. Office. Sunset, oh, right, right. Yeah, that's so crazy. That's so yeah. Long. Yeah. yeah, we we were, um, in fact, one of the ones, Mark Gant, um, Jesse Warren, um, myself, and I forget who else was, we were doing a four panel thing, live streaming. That was crazy, crazy times when the internet sucked and now it's <laughs> wonderful and makes it easy for what you're doing today. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, back then it wasn't the greatest. It was fun, but it was- uh, Tricky, it was tricky. tricky. Very and it was funny because that spot is now a coffee shop. 
Um, they yeah. actually turned it into a coffee shop. And I think on the other side is like a pawn shop. It's so weird. That building is completely um, different than what it used to be over a decade ago. So yeah, that's, it's crazy. Over 10 years now uh, we've known each other. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm going to flip over to Jordan because I know she's got those thousand questions waiting. Oh yes, thousand, <laughs> thousand. Prepare, get ready. <laughs> okay, so you have you wear many hats. You've had an incredible career. Can you talk about um, the evolution of your career and what inspired you to become the head of a network, starting your network, a writer, a producer, an actor, all of it? Can you talk a little a little bit about all of that? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, uh, I think, you know, very much like, you know, Stephanie and JD, we, I, we always say like we're the OG digital crowd because we were all there first. Uh, we're all very much entrepreneurs and we've been, or mediapreneurs, you know, had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit for so long. Um, and I've worked with some really wonderful people over the, over the years where, you know, you had a lot of failures and a lot of no's and those are the, that's your school, really. That's the thing that teaches you um, to get to the point where you create something where every everywhere you go, it's a yes. And I feel like that's finally come to fruition with um, with starting Reverie. Um, you know, Reverie started in uh, my living room in Echo Park, as every good startup starts in someone's living room or dining room or kitchen table. Um, and uh, it came out of the inspiration from Apple TV. I'm a self-proclaimed Apple file. I love all the Apple products. I have to have them. They're like my newest toy. Anytime <laughs> something new comes out, um, they're just so much fun to play with. And the Apple TV was part of that. And I remember having the very first one, the first generation Apple TV for so long. And then finally, Apple in 2015 did a massive rehaul um, uh, to the hardware and to the software. And specifically with the hardware, they made it bigger, um, they made it 4K. They created, you know, ways where you could capture and record, um, much like TiVo, you know, was the old school TiVo box, um, who we work with now. Reverie is actually on as a network on on TiVo right now, um, and um, and they more importantly created this TVOS operating system, which allowed for developers to create their own unique experiences uh, for the living room set at home. And so um, I bought the newest one, the fourth gen, when it came out. Uh, with the black remote uh, in 2015 and you know you it comes pre-installed like your iphone does when you come you know take it out of your manufacturer box but just like the five basic uh you know apps um, that apple provides you with and the first one being the app store so i searched the apple tv app store for lgbtq um, and nothing popped up uh, there was actually no apps ever created. Uh, we were the first to market um, and first ever LGBTQ app for Apple TV, fourth gen and higher. And then eventually we iterated to all the other OTT over the top television kind of devices um, and now CTV, connected TV, um, you know, uh, aggregators. If you had asked me though, from being an actor to being in, you know, an entrepreneur to being in technology and then starting our own network, was this ever something that was planned or I had any idea that this would be my career path? Hell no, I had no clue. Um, it was almost like a natural progression over time. Um, and it's also one of the things where you have to really be, I think, open to um, pivoting and creating new possibilities for yourself and your career um, that maybe you had not anticipated uh, when you were 22 years old. <laughs> and in a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be 40. So this is a long, 
a long time, long time coming. What? You look amazing. You don't oh, want thank to. You. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm like literally in the midst of like growing out my beard for my 40th. I'm like trying to uh, embrace um, my bear, my inner bear. Um, that's a, a term in the gay community. Um, uh, but anyways, but yes, yeah, so for us, you know, we, um, uh, you know, what I, what I think of the biggest takeaway for me was that um, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to uh, create something that no one else had created and also make sure that it was um, something for the entire community. Um, and so it wasn't just about me, you know, white cisgender gay man, which, you know, typically LGBTQ media had only been uh, focused on one, you know, kind of subsector of our, our community um, for creating content for that. But it's really about, you know, all gender expressions, all walks of life, all, um, you know, ethnicities, races, even languages. Now we're really expanding out into Spanish language, Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese. A lot of new content that's coming our way is not in English necessarily. And we're inspired by that. Um, we're inspired by it in a lot of ways because it um, creates representation and tells a story in a part of the world uh, for a part of the community that maybe has not um, really had a platform before. Um, you know, and that's what Reverie is about. It's really creating a platform that is visibly, uh, you know, for the entire community. That's amazing. What's been the most rewarding part of creating the first LGBTQ uh, network. I mean, you're a pioneer. It's amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a pioneer, but yeah, I, um, but thank you though. Uh, it's funny. It's like, I'm not used to, not used to being called a pioneer just yet. Um, but, um, you know, I think the most, the thing that, that, you know, um, keeps me going, um, are the messages that we get from, um, you know, people, all, queer people all over the world who have not seen a transgender, you know, music artist mm -hmm. or not seen a lesbian comedy from Bangalore or has not seen, you know, um, uh, you know, a, 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 a gay um, Brazilian short film. Like there's, it's so funny to, you know, we're very obviously live in Los Angeles and I'm from Toronto originally from Canada, live in these bubbles, these very liberal bubbles. And we don't know what life is really like outside of that unless we just go visit. And even then you're just getting a taste. You're not really experiencing like what it is to um, be fully immersed in a red state in the middle of nowhere or, you know, like Kansas, let's say, um, or Oklahoma right. um, for that queer kid in high school who doesn't have any uh, outlet for representation outside of like social media, you know, TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. Um, and then what little titles that you find on Amazon and Hulu and Netflix which typically are the same. We actually did a cross study of a lot of the films under LGBTQ for Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. And there are a lot of the same big studio titles. They all had Brokeback Mountain, ironically. <laughs> right? um, so it doesn't, really, it doesn't really give a full depiction of what you know, the, the real community right. walks, talks, and breathes and looks like. So um, you know, we've had letters come to us from Saudi Arabia, um, you know, right after we launched, I had a queer kid reach out to me saying, you know, I'm Muslim. I didn't know there was anyone else like there out there in the world. I read the Macworld article about your network, downloaded the app and started watching. He named a few titles um, and, uh, and how much it meant to him um, to see that representation. Uh, and then we've had, you know, I had an opportunity of speaking in Mumbai at Kashish. Uh, which is the LGBTQ film festival in India, um, like the only one of the only ones really. And it was in its 10th year anniversary. And this was 
June 2019. Um, we had this one title called The Other Love Story, which was a um, Hindi, half, Eng half English, half Hindi lesbian drama series um, that was shot in Bangalore. And um, we picked it up from really talented British producer, producer in London. Um, and these lesbian women came up to me and they wanted to take a photo, their photo with me. Like I was like some celebrity. And I'm like, I, I'm like, how, like, great to meet you. What else can we do? Or like, do you have any other work that we can license? Like, I'm so glad you really like that title. And they're like, no, I really want to, Damien, I want to show you the impact that Reverie's had here in India. Um, and she pulls out um, her phone and she, and that's hard to see because of the, the <laughs> background here, but um, she turns on her Tinder and she funnels for lesbian and all of the images on the grid were still images from the other love story from our original. It's how women, I, lesbian, queer women identify um, themselves on the social network, on Tinder specifically in that region because, um, you know, they don't, for context, they only had their Stonewall moment like three years ago. Um, they only just decriminalized LGBT, like being LGBTQ in 2018. So, um, so the movement's still very new there. And so, um, you know, this is how they represent themselves in fear of like discretion for their jobs or their you know, homes or their families, if, you know, for acceptance sake. Mm -hmm. So I started to cry. I woke up my three co-founders, Aaliyah, LaShawn and Chris, and told them the story and sent them video and photos of me and this girl. And I took this girl out for dinner, like afterwards, I was like, I have to buy you dinner now because this is just the coolest <laughs> I'm going to be. I use it a lot in press, actually, when I get asked this question. Making me cry, oh my gosh. But, um, but it, usually I do Usually I do cry, but I've told this story now probably a thousand times, so I've trained myself. I not see water in your eyes, Damien. <laughs> You're yeah. not crying, I'm not no, crying. You're no, crying. It still touches me, but it's, you know, but the, you know, going back to your question, sorry, my very long-winded way of answering your question, is that um, that's the thing that inspires me to keep going. You know, this is not an easy job and I definitely don't get paid as much as I should. And, you know, I'm sure Stephanie can attest to this, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, it's never what it should be, um, but you do it because you love it and you have passion for something. And I think the biggest thing for me um, is when I hear these stories, that's the thing that fuels um, me to keep going and our entire team, because we realize that now what you've built is much more uh, important and much, bigger than yourself or what you imagined it to be because it's helping other people and at the end of the day you know um reverie does that on a big or small mission um to me that's the greatest success i can ever have absolutely that's amazing to be doing such impactful work that's why i asked i said yeah, i know he's got to have good stories about this i have filmmaker yeah, friends actually the it was my introduction to reverie my friend katie aaron she has a film called Out of It on Reverie. And then another friend of mine did an LGBTQ uh, web series called Gal Pals. Yes, yeah. Yeah, show. Julia, do you know Julia? Absolutely, yeah, she's wonderful. She's amazing, I loved her series. But um, it, just the outpouring of love and how many people reached out and said, this, I see myself in this work and I haven't seen it anywhere else. So. I would imagine that you've had lots of tearful moments of people yeah. reaching out and saying the same. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's, you know, and what's I think really unique is, you know, I'm only one fourth owner. I'm one of four co-founders. Aaliyah, LaShawn, and Chris and I represent collectively women, women of color, African-American, Latinx, 
I'm an immigrant, um, you know, immigrant communities. LaShonda Italian. The veteran Italian, yeah, if we want to go real, real granddaughter, um, Italian, but like, you know, veteran, you know, mm. different, com so many community, different communities, even just as who we are as co-founders. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important. You know, one thing I do want to always touch on is that like representation starts with leadership. Um, and I think having, we have the strongest leadership because we have the strongest representation within our leadership, but it was all organic. You know, Chris and Aaliyah went to law school together. Um, so they're both attorneys, two different kind of areas of law. And um, Chris in entertainment and Aaliyah more in the startup small business side. Um, and then LaShawn and I, who had the production backgrounds and were producers and actors and directors. LaShawn actually is a graduate of the American Film Institute. Um, you know, coming together collectively with all those different backgrounds, uh, we were able to kind of really build something and support each other's efforts to build within their own, um, you know, departments. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had a lot of support and uh, it's, you know, it's continuing to grow. We just brought on uh, our, our newest hires are, um, I don't know, Steph, if you know him, but Paul Katanis. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know Paul. He's Paul's in New York, right? He's in New York. He's now our, right. our CMO. Um, Paul just yeah. came forward as our new chief marketing officer, nice. uh, the newest addition to our leadership team. And we're very excited to have him. But Paul's, you know, Steph knows is um, uh, kind of an icon in the space as well and digital. Uh, but he is an ally. Um, you know, he's straight. And um, uh, but he knows what it is uh, to be marginalized. And he saw an opportunity with Reverie and said, look, I want to support something that um, is helping other people. Um, you know, and that to, to him, I know, is what, uh, what drives him even forward as our new CMO. Cool. That is amazing. So tell us, uh, can you just break down OTT for those who don't yeah. know what that is and how it all works? Yeah, sorry. I know I talk in acronyms. Oh, right. uh, Chris, my partner, always corrects me on this. And um, thanks, Steph, for reminding no me. OTT stands for Over the Top Television. So this is basically, you know, your Apple TVs, your Roku's, your Amazon Fires, any type of device um, that sits on top of your television uh, or next to uh, your TV that connects you to a whole bunch of different app developers like ourselves um, or have access to lots of content, you know, whether it's a Hulu app or Disney Plus or Reverie, um, you actually, you have an opportunity to access like a ton of content. But now the, the, the new version of OTT, the new OTT, is CTV, uh, which stands for Connected TV. Um, not to be confused with the old acronym CTV, Cable TV. Right. Uh, now no one does cable anymore. Cable's practically right. over. Right. Um, but CTV, Connected TV, is your Samsung TV uh, smart set or your Vizio smart set, your LG smart set at home that now has the device basically baked into it so it allows you to connect directly to all of these um, unique app stores. Um, and download the full experience of the app. But they also now aggregate their own version of cable. Um, so like kind of the new wave of Hollywood is, you know, obviously cord cutting and cable nevers, not even cable, cable cutters. Now there's the cable never term um, uh, with the younger generations, obviously like Gen Z is very cable never and Gen, you know, millennials or Gen Y is more cable cutters. Um, but um, um, you know, what's really interesting, though, that we're seeing is, you know, all of these different smart TV manufacturers um, and even OTT manufacturers like the Roku uh, channel, which is different. It's their, different than their actual hardware device, um, has over 40 million users and Reverie has two existing channels there. 
live channels in Samsung TV Plus, which is the TV Plus app inside of your Samsung TV that has access to over 100 live TV channels and Reverie is one of them. Um, so now we're seeing bigger audiences kind of adapt to this new world of cable or connected TV, um, which, you know, we're from a you know, distribution standpoint and kind of business development standpoint, we're really focused on creating more pathways into these connected TV devices because essentially, you know, the future of the world is you just buy your television and it has everything on it pre-installed. Um, you just have to connect it to your internet. Right. And that we have Vizio TVs and, and it's frustrating when you have to then flip to your Apple TV or something to find that OTT channel, right, to go to. And, you know, even something as simple as, uh, and not to name another brand, but HBO Max, you can't even, they don't even have that figured out. No, so, they don't. Like they don't have an app yet, a native app on Vizio's app store. Because right. like, yeah, you can go to the Apple TV and Apple TV is made to be an app store, right? Like that's right. the whole point of that. Whereas Vizio is made to be a television first. Mm -hmm. So Vizio has its own unique app store where you right. can download apps to that um, your Vizio experience. And they have their own Vizio um, lineup of, of live TV channels. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, it is annoying for the consumer to have to switch over. Um, but this is where like, you know, it's not HBO, it's actually Vizio who hasn't developed the technology fast enough yet, but it's all in the next two, three years, it's just going to be one big blur. Like you won't need all these devices and, or you'll have your preferential device. Personally, right. I still love Apple. Apple TV. Like I use Apple TV in every room of my house, in every room of our office. I just, I'm used to that system and it's what I like to interface with. Um, but everyone's going to have their preference and it's all going to be the same experience everywhere. Cool. That, yeah. That's We're, very helpful yeah. for the audience not understanding where everything is because it is confusing yeah. and every day it's something different, right? So you're constantly has to have to stay on top of what's what um, yeah. and where you're going to find your content and where you're going to put your content as a creator right? Because you need to know what the audience is and if you're going to be the right fit for the audience. Yeah, yeah and that's a really great point. You know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of creatives, filmmakers, um, constantly pitch uh, streaming services and net or the new networks, not having watched uh, or being a consumer of the actual service that you're pitching first and understanding the audience. And the type of content, like the voice of the network, you know, mm -hmm. I was using the example of like Vice, you know, Vice is a very distinctive, unique um, brand of content um, that you, when you turn on Vice, you know what you're, what you're going to be watching. Um, and it's a very younger kind of audience, a Gen Z millennial focused audience. Reverie is very much similar to Vice in that respect. You know, our, um, I'm very proud to say that 55% of our um, active users are female. We actually over-index women to men, which is a really hard demo to get. And they're not necessarily all queer um, or lesbian. You know, I always try to preface that, you know, there's a lot of ally or straight women who watch Reverie um, and just love the content. Um, and that's what it's really all about. That's what it comes down to. Um, so we're really proud that, you know, we have that audience. But 72% of our users are between the ages of 18 and 45. Um, you know, 72%, it's a large, that's, predominantly yeah. our entire audience right so if the if the filmmaker pitches me something that is for a baby boomer generation there's no offense my parents are baby boomers um they're not necessarily going 
to get um, much success with us because that's not the audience that watches Reverie. Um, you know, and again, not to be like ageist, but you know, for filmmakers and creatives, you really gotta, you have to be the consum- consumer right. of the network first so you can really kind of get yourself fully engaged and entrenched with, um, you know, the type of content that uh, the network is looking to green light. That's a, that's a very good point because I think a lot of people just think, oh, I'm creating a television series or a movie, not what's the genre, you know, do that extra research. So one, whenever you're out pitching it, of course, people are going, oh yeah, this, this is great. But two, that you're pitching it to the right people and not wasting people's time in trying to, you know, get those meetings because they're hard to get, first of all. So if you're focusing your content to the right place, you have a better chance of, of uh, not only getting that deal made, but also getting your content watched. Yep. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because look, at the end of the day, our audience drives our entire business. So we need to know, our job is to be able to have a complete profile of who our audience is. And when we look at like the top performing shows, what was that genre? What was that age group? What was that, what was that, um, you know, what was that format that worked, you know? And, and we are, we're format agnostic. We have a lot of short form content and a lot of long form content. We still believe in the power of short form done well, right? Like right. with good production. Um, I, we have a couple of short films that outperform um, like uh, almost 90% of our features year over year. One in particular um, called Femme, which is about kind of toxic masculinity within the gay community and about being an effeminate gay man. Um, and uh, every year for the last like two years since we released it, we've had it on the platform for two years, it's our number one performing short film and it has millions of views. And I can't tell you why. It's just great content and something that obviously resonates with our audience. Um, and then you've got like the other love story, you know, which kind of came from Bangalore and is, you know, Hindi, lesbian and English content. But, and we have a huge audience in Europe for that and in India, of course. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, there's no kind of rhyme or reason. It's really just being able to, that's the fun part of my job is I get to experiment with lots of content and see what works and what doesn't. Um, and we're at this tipping point now where we're starting to produce original content and work you know, with a lot of new and young kind of uh, queer uh, filmmakers who are coming out of the festival circuit or kind of out of obscurity um, because we get to create like new and unique uh, stories that um, for us are surrounding kind of more the BIPOC, you know, the black indigenous queer uh, voices that have been very underrepresented within not just our community, but I think the entertainment business in general. Right. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on or brought to your network? Yeah, well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned this because um, my favorite thing I've ever produced, period, um, is the drag roast of Heclina, um, which uh, we produced in-house. Uh, LaShawn and I actually produced, my co-founder, uh, in-house three years ago um, at the Castro Theater in San Francisco, which is so historic, you know, for our community. Um, God bless Heclina. She's a, you know, legendary drag queen um, uh, for our community, lives in San Francisco, I think now in Palm Springs. But um, she had this 
big, you know, bought up the Castro Theater. So he's doing an entire drag roast, with a lot of great big celebrity drag queens um, in our space. We're going to roast her. So the whole production was there minus the capture, like the cameras and um, the sound, really. Um, so we came in and we produced the entire um, two and a half hour special, which today is our number one comedy special. And we produced it in-house. But we recently released it as a, um, with Comedy Dynamics, a partner of ours, as a comedy podcast on iTunes this past weekend. Um, and it's already done some really record-breaking numbers. But I still laughed at every joke, even when I was listening to it <laughs> this weekend, like the iTunes just podcast version of it. It's like, man, this is like the funniest stuff ever. Um, and we hopefully, once this is all over, we'll be able to go and produce more of those. Awesome. And it's available right now. You can watch it on Memory for free. <laughs> Anytime. I want to go watch it. I That's am really funny. Well, I'm learning now. Well, I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race, which I think is a is kind of the foyer into drag culture for a lot of um, yeah. straight. I'm, I'm straight, but I'm a woman of color. So your platform is just it's empowering and exciting to me to see you representing marginalized groups. And so anyway, um, going back to what I was talking about, uh, yeah, RuPaul was like my first foyer into that. And then I watched another series on, um, what was the, on Quibi. There was a Quibi, Quibi. series. Yeah, about yeah, that, that one. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I was gonna say, I totally remember that one. And it's, you know, it's funny. It's uh, the mo it's funny you mentioned that one project because the moment Quibi failed, we were like calling their team and being like, what are you doing with this one project? We'd love to distribute this. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that because that, I really loved that little docu-series because there was so many more elements to drag that I didn't know about because RuPaul, I mean, is a little more commercial, a little more, you know, network um and i had no idea what the culture was like and i'm like i want to go to new york i want to know these people i want to go to san francisco so anyways it's all very important stuff so i'm happy to hear you say that you know about that one and hopefully we'll see it on reverie that would be amazing yeah and there's a great reverie original docu another drag docu series which I encourage you to watch one of my favorites called um the category is well, not drag, sorry. One's about ballroom. The category is Mexico City is about the ballroom scene, which is a very unique form of dance. Um, but then Queens of Kings is our drag docu-series, um, which follows kind of the underground, kind of gritty look of Bushwick, Brooklyn drag scene. But, you know, lots of great content to discover on, on Reverie that aligns with what you're talking about. So how competitive is it to get content on Reverie? Um, especially today, because I'm sure there's so many people with stories that have been like, oh, finally, I have a home for my story. I think, you know, it's funny. Um, I've always said that content for, from our perspective, like from a distribution standpoint, um, hasn't been as hard. Um, you know, there's, when we started, we were the first, right? Now there's a bunch of kind of like copycats that have been through the market or like smaller services um, that are mainly subscription-based, which I, you know, should mention. We're a hybrid of you can watch completely for free with no subscription. You just obviously have to watch commercials or you can subscribe with no commercials. So we're kind of like that hybrid. We're taking a hybrid. We've always taken a hybrid approach right. um, where a lot of these other services are subscription only. 
Um, there's been no competitors yet in the um, ad video on demand space. Um, but content's been easy. Um, you know, there's been no platform outside of YouTube, uh, which everyone knows has not been the same for quite some time. Uh, and, and there's so many great young queer kind of new, whether it's content creators or influencers or filmmakers, whatever you want to call it, who are creating such great video that doesn't have a home or they just don't have an opportunity to really monetize at the level that we are. Um, you know, we work with lots of big advertisers now, Lexus, Gilead, Dollar Shave Club, um, working with uh, Cording Stoli and McDonald's, really big brands um, right. because they see the opportunity and they see the value of uh, working with our space, like in our vertical. Um, you know, their return on their investment to advertise or create content whether it's underwriting a new young voice um, or just buying, you know, commercial airtime on Reverie, um, they see, uh, you know, about a sixty to seventy percent return on investment, which they wouldn't see on other. Right. It's like we've got, you know, really good data that proves the value of our audience um, being really strong. But content's been easy, um, and now the big thing is, you know, I think the hard thing is the one challenge. Sorry, long way to answer. I'm always so long winded. And um, the other long way to answer this question is now the challenge is getting the underrepresented folks capital uh, to invest in their stories. Um, because for so long, it's easy for me, a white, again, cisgender gay man to get funding for my project or a lot easier for me because of my privilege and where I sit in the world um, than it would be for, you know, like you were mentioning, um, uh, your friend uh, who directed the music video that you did, who's indigenous and queer. Uh, you know, it's almost like, I don't want to say two strikes against them, but like they don't have that access that I do. That I do. Um, and so we want to create access um, for more of those folks. So then we could accelerate the opportunity for those stories to be um, created, to be filmed, to be shot um, a lot faster. We will be making an announcement in the next couple of months. We made our first platform acquisition. I can't say who, but oh, it's, going it. be, it's going to be um, going to be big news uh, for us and I think our community because what we're building now, the next kind of iteration is a platform that allows us to accelerate that opportunity for more projects to get green light and funding to flow through to uh, filmmakers. Wow, that is so wonderful to hear, Damien just awesome <laughs> and and it's a natural progression from where you were as you know a, an actor and then ha where you've been right I mean you know web series and in that I mean so you know calling you a pioneer I'm with you on that um or an OG you know, whichever you prefer OG. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. but uh, you know you're you're looking at what's what's working where do people need help where can I educate them? Where can I bring them up and help them rise up, right? So you are using your white privilege to, you know, to help others. And, you know, that's, that's something you hear a lot of people say, oh, it would be great to, you know, have these things get fixed, but here's somebody that's actually doing that. And you're walking that walk. And mm -hmm. I'm just so proud to have you as a friend, first of all, but also to, be able to talk more about this because it does have an impact not only on you know your business model but 
people's lives. I mean, you're actually, you know, even if you help one person and that person pays it forward to somebody else, it's going to be, you know, amazing. But to be able to recognize a problem and provide a path for others is just, that's even better because you're talking about it. And then somebody else is going to say, wow, I can't just let Damien be the only one. (laughs) So I need to help too. Right. So, you know, and then having those advertisers that you have for your community, first of all, those are the people that everyone that, you know, cares about who they buy from should be supporting. So the fact that you have that high of a ROI for those, um, those advertisers, those brands, that's, you know, that's also perfect because they're supporting a community that, you know, other stations, other networks won't, you know, can't carry the content and have the brand match. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there you, you get hear all the noise about, oh, well, they're not, you know, supporting um, because they didn't like this TV show, blah, blah, blah. And you're just, you know, okay, well, I'm not buying from you. You've yep. made it easy to know who to buy from. Yeah. yeah and it's funny. It's like, you know, I even, um, in 2019, I leased my first new car and I leased Alexis um, because I want to support the brand that supports not just my business, but also, you know, our community. Um, and it's a badge of honor for me to, um, you know, right now, actually, it's like Lexus is a great example. Talk about brands to support the community. They are running an ad on a platform that they've created. You know, they create LGBTQ commercials once or twice a year targeting obviously our audience um, which is really great to have a major luxury automotive brand who does that not many do or they'll do it like once every couple of years for pride season lexus has really invested a lot into um supporting and uplifting and targeting the community in a, in a positive way um an impactful way um, but they have mj rodriguez who is the act trans black actress who's the star of fx's pose mm-hmm. one of my favorite tv shows ever um, who is the spokesmodel for the for the new LGBTQ campaign for Lexus? And you can, if you go on Reverie right now, you'll get it's the first ad that you're going to see once you start watching something. Um, and it's so good, like it's like styled well, the music, the shots, like you're just so like enthralled. She sells that car and those boots, like the shoes, like nobody's nobody's business, right? But. Um, it goes to show you how like innovative a brand like Lexus is to go that mm-hmm. far. Um, and I don't have, you know, I can't quote me on saying this for certain. You'd have to fact check it, but I believe, and I don't know this hundred percent, but she's the first, um, you know, person of trans person of color on a major automotive brand. The only other person I can think of that may have done one is Laverne Cox. But again, I don't know the, um, the exact um, stat on that, but Look, brands are very engaged with our community. You know, we spend over $965 billion a year in disposable income in the US alone, 4.3 trillion globally. That's the value of the LGBTQ economy. Um, and, you know, we're typically dual income, no kids. Um, right. Dinks. Um, the acronym DINKS I always use in my advertising pitches. But, you know, what's really unique is, you know, the community is growing by generations, you know, it's like 8% or 10% of Gen X are LGBTQ, 20% of millennials are LGBTQ, one in five millennials identify as LGBTQ. And then when you go even younger, you go to Gen Z, it's 52% um, 
do not declare their gender and do not declare their sexual orientation. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they're LGBTQ or that they're male or female, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, it's just, it's a comment on, we don't want our sexuality or our gender defined in one of these right. binary roles. Um, and I think, you know, and this is where, you know, I always use this word, on which side am I, I'm queer. This is the new community that um, is kind of being, you could be an ally. You don't need to, you could be heterosexual and an ally and you could be queer. Um, you know, one of my co-founders, Aaliyah J. Daniels, our COO, she's an ally, um, but she knows what it is to be marginalized as a woman and a woman of color, right? So this is very impactful for her creating this network with us. Um, but, um, you know, this is the, the new iteration of our community. The queer community is where you know, we're seeing, um, you know, a lot of market trends, but then on top of that, like just consumers and filmmakers who are telling different stories that are not just like the white gay boy coming out story that we've seen so many times over and over again. Right. networks. You'd think they know how to do it by now. You'd think so. <laughs> but they're still trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. I just want to hug you. The work that <laughs> is so, so important. I went to theater school. I have a musical theater degree and grew up in the theater. And I have so many amazing queer friends and not to define them by gender or orientation or anything like that, but it's just such an inclusive community. And to finally have a platform where we, we're seeing these people and represented in an authentic way. And it's not just, as you said, the stereotypical white male coming out story. Um, it's just, I just wish I could give you a hug. I just, <laughs> I love when, what you're all, doing. when the pandemic's all over, for sure. Look, <laughs> visit you guys in Albuquerque. You, yeah, you yeah, definitely need that. to, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So what's next for you? Can you talk about any of the projects that you're um, creating in-house? What, what do you have? Um, yeah. Um, so there's lots. Um, <laughs> I get ends. your emails. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, last year was a really big, it's, 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 it's really weird because I feel like year over year, it's hard to top the last year's success. Um, and I'm not, I say that very humbly, like in 2019, we were named app of the day by Apple app store, which is a huge, you know, just to give you context, there's over a billion apps in the app store. There's only 365 days in the year, right? right? So we're chosen to be one of those 365 days um, as app of the day. So that was huge for us, um, just a huge badge of honor. Um, we, in 2019, you know, um, had the cover of the LA Times business section. Um, I was named one of the top 16 power players uh, by Business Insider in the ad video streaming space. Uh, we had a lot of really big monumental moments for us. And then in 2019, we did again, uh, we launched on so many great platforms. We launched um, in VR, where everybody has a VR channel on the RAD app, R-A-D. If you have a PlayStation, uh, you can download the RAD app and you can go into the Reverie room and just hang out and watch TV um, in cool. VR. Um, and that was really big to be the first LGBTQ VR channel. Um, we streamed a 27 hour live stream of Global Pride Global Pride is a big organization that kind of is the not-for-profit that connects all of the prides from all around the world. Of course, last year it was virtual and this year it's going to be virtual again. So we did this 27-hour wow. continuous live stream. <laughs> Didn't break down. Everything went great. Steph knows 
<laughs> the hard work app oh, to make yeah. work. Because um, the internet's not what it was like 10 years ago, right? Like, actually, can it's stable. Um, and that was huge. We did over, you know, 6 million viewers. Um, and, um, and then this past fall, I think the greatest honor uh, that we got to have is we have our own festival called Queer Acts, which is kind of the queer South by Southwest. This year, of course, we went virtual. It's a theme. Uh, made it all online. Um, but we did do an in-person drive-in, and we showed our Queer Acts Awards uh, which um, we had special messages sent to us from Jennifer Lopez and oh. our now sitting president, Joe Biden. Um, nice. Joe actually created a video for Reverie <laughs> three awesome. weeks election. And I encourage you to watch the Queer X live show under our originals. It's super cool and really fun. Um, but uh, I, I had the honor of introducing Joe Biden last year on our award show um, as CEO of the network. Um, and I told my story about being an immigrant uh, from Canada who became a citizen two years ago so I could vote in this very election. <laughs> um, hey, thank you for that vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, it, and luckily our guy won, right? right. Uh, <laughs> the right people are on the right side of history again now. Um, but it was important because, you know, not just being, uh, you know, Canadian living in the US, but now being a full-fledged dual citizen, I celebrated it. We had a huge uh, I remember when Biden won like dinner party with all of our friends and I had like Biden themed kind of um, cupcakes and a placemat and all this sort of stuff because uh, it was exciting. It was very meaningful. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, to top those things are really hard. So <laughs> we're like, what do we do? What do we do? And we also should say one last thing. We ended the year with we launched the first lesbian queer female focused network, OML on Reverie. Um, and OML stands for One More Lesbian, which is based on a very famous YouTube channel, One More Lesbian, uh, which has over half a million subscribers and some of the greatest lesbian content. Um, but it was the first time a queer female or lesbian focused broadcast channel had ever been launched and never been in the history of man, which is crazy to think like it's 2020. Right. You know, why has that never happened before? And we had this huge amount of press. Washington Post wrote about us. Um, you know, the independent deadline, like so many major outlets. Um, and it was very, it was, and it was kind of funny because it was like different outlets that wrote about us when we had Biden. We had more press coverage on the launch of the One More Lesbian channel than we did on having Biden on our network, which was kind <laughs> of fun. Um, But I think it's again, very monumental in the sense that like people, this is something everyone's wanted for a long time, uh, but no one ever took the, that, you know, step to create. And we have, so this year, you know, Reverie is gonna come out with some more specialty broadcast channels that focus on different subsectors of our community and a few in different languages. Um, and they will also be kind of groundbreaking firsts. Um, you know, the team right now is developing and uh, engineering um, what these channels are gonna look like. And, and um, these announcements will start to kind of come obviously towards Pride Month in June. Um, but it's going to be some big firsts, some world firsts again that you're going to see coming out of Reverie and what we're building here, um, which is really exciting for me because, again, we're creating chains and supporting communities that have had nothing ever uh, exist before. Uh, and that to me is, you know, I think the most exciting thing that, that um, we're very innovative here at Reverie in terms of what we build next. Yes, you are. I vote. Yes, two thumbs up. I love that. That's, I mean, just 
thinking back to the days of the web TV workshop live streams. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To today, you have, you know, embraced that live stream, Damien. <laughs> we have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and have, have taken the world really by storm and, and giving the content and the respect. And that's the other thing. This is about respect yeah. to humans. These are human stories. We're all human and that we all need a place to find stories that speak to us. And that is just, I, I'm that's now I'm going to cry. No, but <laughs> uh -huh. I'm so, I'm just, whenever I was talking to Jordan about, you know, people to interview, I told her that, and I'd reached out to you and she, if she was here, she would have been jumping up and down in my office, but she was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This is so great. So it's, you know, you, what you're doing is so important, even though it's, you know, oh, it's entertainment. No, it's important. It is very important. You know, I'm, I'm just so, just pleased to be talking to you and seeing the, the success you're having and all those emails I get every day. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being an email subscriber <laughs> on, uh, on, on our list. But yeah, no, this is, you know, th and thank you for recognizing the work. Yeah, this is um, not been the easiest uh, five years of building the business because that's the hardest is your first five years. Um, but now I think we're past, um, we're now at this inflection point where um, I think it's, you know, a lot of folks know who we are now and are excited to, create content or distribute content on our platform because they know that we're reaching, um, you know, a really vast and wide queer audience um, that is creating impact in, you know, other parts of the world, not just in our own backyards. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, Jordan, did you have any final questions for Damien so we can let him get back to his running the world? Yeah. <laughs> Do I have anything? Well, I guess, um, is there anything that you'd like to see moving forward now that we're seeing more inclusion and more diversity? Um, things are really changing. What what do you want to see happen next on the global stage as far as the film industry and television industry goes? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and I'm going to go back to kind of how I started the whole conversation. It's representation and leadership and ownership. Um, I would like to see more networks and studios um, hire C-suites and people of color. Um, people of different genders, people of the LGBTQ community, you know, um, seeing the reflection from the decision makers uh, in terms of who those executives are needs to change. Um, if that doesn't change, then we're not going in the right direction or we're being tokenized. Um, and I don't want to see that happen. Um, you know, we're not, pride is not just June. Um, pride runs throughout the year. And if you want to reach that 965 billion disposable income, you can't just advertise in June, you got to advertise and you've got to be part of the community and creating content for the community 365 days of the year. Um, I think we're starting to see that social change happen from a corporate level, but I'd like to see it accelerate more. And more importantly, I'd like to see capital and the decision around capital, You know, whether it's a startup or just a, a filmmaker who's looking for funding, um, I'd like to see those decision makers change as well. Um, um, capital still is predominantly controlled by white cisgender straight men. Um, and it's a huge problem in this country, um, not just in entertainment, in any industry. Um, and we're starting to see that social change, I think really kind of spin out of the BLM movement from last year. 
Um, and we're seeing a lot of um, venture capitalists and angel investors and people who are controlling, you know, that 1% of wealth um, being distributed to, you know, um, younger, the next generation of kind of entrepreneurs like myself and my co-founders um, who represent multiple communities and who are not just, um, you know, one gender, one race, one ethnicity, one orientation. Um, you know, I think it's important that we have as much diversity uh, at the top and in control um, that we do at the bottom, creating the, sto the stories uh, that we want to be told. <laughs> and that's, and you know, and just to summarize, that's where we're going to see major change. Once those people start to get into power and once the capital and that, um, you know, the dollars shift, mm -hmm. that's where we're going to see some monumental changes, I think, just in general um, with this country. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Sad to say, follow the money, but you definitely have to, yeah. you know, know where, know, know who has it and how to get it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And you're, you're, you're our hero of the uh, year, <laughs> Damien, not the day. Oh, We're going to go beyond Apple TV. Screw oh, wow. them. You're at the app store. You're the hero of our year for 2021. Uh, thank you, Stephanie. You're welcome. So much for having me. And yeah, and definitely, um, you know, go to our website, go to any of the app stores, download Reverie, watch, engage. It's all free. Um, you know, we can't iterate that enough, free queer TV. Um, you know, so it doesn't matter. And, you know, for us, this was um, by design because whether or not you can afford a subscription doesn't mean that you shouldn't be limited to the access to watching yourself being represented. And that was important for us um, to create that free version. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Damien. Thank we you. appreciate it. And we'll be um, making sure our audience knows how to find you. Great. And subscribed for your emails. So they're updated. <laughs> no, I think it's important because a lot of, a lot of the, the emails I get from you have important, you know, especially for your content, what you're doing. I mean, how you're moving forward. You don't get a lot of that from, you know, anyone else, you'll just get kind of, oh, watch the trailer for to real, I mean, to expose people to the type of content that you have, the, the emails are invaluable because there is a lot to watch. And by you sharing special, you know, things coming up, it makes it easier for me to know where to go for my wow. next fix of entertainment. So um, thank you very much. Mm. And um, thank you, Jordan, for joining me today. And um, we will see you on the next In the Room with um, this time and next time. Thank you very much.